0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. It's time for Serralo Sports Talk with Joe Serralo. First show after an extended holiday break. Soralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, and so much to get to. The NFL playoffs kick off this weekend. The first time ever. There are six games, wild card weekend. The college football championship between Alabama and Ohio State Monday. And I can't wait for it all. I can't wait for the fact that the most exciting team, dare I say, the best team in the NFL, is kicking off the playoffs. 1 p.m. on Saturday, the Buffalo Bills play host to the Indianapolis Colts. And I can't wait because the Buffalo Bills right now are the most complete, dynamic team in professional football. I mean, you can think of 8 million ways that the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game against an 11-win Indianapolis team. But if you look at it on the flip side for the Colts, there's only maybe one or two ways the Colts win this game. I mean, everything has to go right for Indianapolis, and it feels like for the first time in 25 years, the Bills are going out there with house money, just overpowering the other team week in, week out. This is a team that's won six straight games, all of which, by double digits, could easily have a 10-game win streak right now. If it wasn't for a last-second Hail Mary, the Hail Murray in Arizona against Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Arizona Cardinals. Without that one play, the Bills are 14-2, riding a 10-game win streak into the NFL playoffs. I mean, this team looks unstoppable right now. If you look at their path to the postseason, 10-point win against the Chargers, 10-point win at San Fran, 11-point win on Sunday Night Football against Pittsburgh in a game where the offense was absolutely lethargic in the first half. Then, back-to-back 29-point wins on the road at Denver, at New England, both primetime, both the only game on at the time they were played, and a 30-point win against the Miami Dolphins. Against the Miami Dolphins team that was actually favored in Buffalo by three and a half points. People thought the Bills would lay down with Pittsburgh benching Ben Roethlisberger and company. The Bills seemed to have the two seed on lock. They didn't lay down. They went out there. They fought for it. They played for 45 minutes of football, and they put up 56 points on Brian Flores' Miami Dolphins defense. This Bills team is special. I mean, this team is exciting. This team is first and foremost fun. And Josh Allen is one of the brightest young quarterbacks in the National Football League. Josh Allen, who I know Bills Mafia, I was dead wrong about in 2018 when I said out of the five quarterbacks taken in the first round that Josh Allen would be the most disappointing I was dead wrong. I also said Lamar Jackson would be the best, and you can make an argument that I was dead on with that statement. But Josh Allen, give him all the credit in the world. He's incredible. I love watching him play. I've gone from Josh Allen hater to one of the biggest Josh Allen fans out there. And now that he's got the dynamic receiver, that is Stephon Diggs, the chemistry between those two. I mean, if you look across the National Football League, you've got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes and you pick either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. He's incredible with both of them. And then you've got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in year one, already becoming one of the most dangerous QB wide receiver duos in the league. And it is so much fun to watch. Throw into the fact that you're going to have almost 7,000 crazy Western New Yorkers in the stands for this one. I mean, thank God the Bills are going to have fans in the stands. Look, I understand that... Certain cities, certain teams, certain markets. You just couldn't, in a year of COVID, have fans in the stands. I understand that. I support that. I'm totally okay with that. It's the playoffs, and I can't wait to see a limited amount of Bills Mafia cheering on the Buffalo Bills Saturday at 1 o'clock. Look, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, like I said, everything has to go right. You're dealing with an inferior quarterback, Phillip Rivers, at the end of his career, I never in a million years would have thought Philip Rivers could have actually performed as well as he did this year. But with that said, his flaws were incredibly apparent. Fourth and short, third and short, Rivers comes out, Jacoby Brissett comes in. Deep ball, Jacoby Brissett comes in. I mean, there's just a lot that Philip Rivers can't do at this point in his career. Physically, just can't compete to the specimen that is Josh Allen right now. So the Colts need to run the damn ball. They need Jonathan Taylor, Week 17, Jonathan Taylor going for, what, 230 on the ground? They need him to take over on offense because the Buffalo Bills, as great and as complete of a team as they are, last year, they made it to the postseason because of their defense. This year, totally flipped the script. Offense was historic, over 30 points per game, top three passing offense. The defense was mediocre. So they need Jonathan Taylor to run the ball, not just because that's their best chance of moving the chains against this Bills defense, but also because the more they run the ball, the more they control the ball. And you want to keep Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and company sidelined as much as possible. In fact, that's the only chance Indianapolis has at winning this game. Keep Josh Allen on the sideline. Keep your defense well-rested. Your defense, which was top 10 in the league this year, but is not that good against the pass. This Indianapolis defense is top 10 because they were the second best defense in football against the run. And Buffalo doesn't give a damn about running the ball. Buffalo's about 20th in the league running the ball. Indianapolis against the pass, bottom 12 in the league, and that's where the Bills make their money. That's where the Bills score their points. So you need to run the ball effectively. If you're the Colts, that's the only chance they have because A, best chance at moving the chains. B, keep Josh Allen sidelined. If Jonathan Taylor and company... Can't do the job? The Indianapolis Colts don't stand a chance. Now, while this is the game that has the best team in the NFL playing in it this weekend, this is not the best game of the weekend. No, that's 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Look, first of all, why are these the 1 o'clock games? The best game on each of their respective days, the Colts' bills on Saturday, Ravens-Titans on Sunday, and they're the earliest game of the day? These couldn't be the primetime games. Shouldn't Tampa Bay-Washington Saturday's primetime game be at 1 o'clock? I know, it's Tom Brady, his first playoff game as a Buccaneer. By the way, his first playoff game ever as a wild card. Does that really need to be on primetime television? A 7-9 and nine Washington football team, do they deserve to be on primetime television over the Bills and the Colts? And then you flip it to Sunday— I mean, you've got the Bears-Saints on at 4 o'clock, the Nickelodeon game. The Chicago Bears, they should be on Nick Jr., not Nickelodeon. I mean, that game's at 4 o'clock. The night game could be good, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Browns, of course, missing their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, with COVID, missing their best offensive lineman, Joel Batonio, with COVID. I just don't know. The Steelers, to me, are too boring to be on primetime as much as they've been this year. I know they've got a good record. Don't forget that 12-4 and started 11-0. and It's not as pretty as it might look. When you have the Titans and Ravens, two hot teams, two incredibly dynamic offenses led by some of the most exciting players in football and Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry, I mean, that's your primetime game right there. But instead, we get it, 1 o'clock, start the day, and the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, are looking for revenge, and it couldn't come at a time when this team has clicked any better. Five straight wins for the once 6-5 and five Baltimore Ravens, and over those five games averaging 37 points. Lamar Jackson has thrown nearly half of his passing touchdowns on this season in those five games. He's got four of his six 80 plus yard rushing performances in the last five games. His QB rating in those five games, 87. To put that into perspective, Aaron Rodgers led the league this season in QB rating, 84 and a half. So Lamar over the past five games, best QBR, In the league, it was 74 in the season, by the way. Still good for seventh. I mean, Lamar Jackson has had quite a season. Played 15 games, missed the one with COVID. That game that the Ravens lost to Pittsburgh 19-14 with their practice squad out there. Probably Pittsburgh's ugliest showing of the season. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens have totally clicked. They're undefeated since losing that COVID-ridden game. And the Tennessee Titans, they're in trouble. The Tennessee Titans who beat the Ravens in overtime back in week 11, who embarrassed the 14-2 Ravens who were riding a 12-game win streak in the divisional round of the playoffs a season ago, almost a year ago, to the day the Tennessee Titans are in trouble. Because even though they won 11-5, even though they won their division, even though Derrick Henry just put together in front of our very eyes one of the best single-season rushing performances of all time, eclipsing the 2,000-yard mark. Even though Ryan Tannehill was one of the best quarterbacks in football this year, the Tennessee Titans' defense is abysmal. I mean, this is a team that allows nearly 30 points per game. They're the 28th overall defense in football, 29th against the pass. Now look, this could be their saving grace, because what they actually defend best is the run, and hello, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and company coming at you, so that could help Tennessee in this one. But truthfully... I think Lamar is going to throw it all over the Titans, up and down the field all damn day. I mean, Lamar Jackson last year in that 28-12 embarrassment of a playoff showing by the Baltimore Ravens was far and away their best player. You can go back two years ago, and you can blame that postseason loss in the first round to the Chargers solely on Lamar Jackson. I'm okay with that. But last year in the playoffs, Lamar was Baltimore's bright spot. He had over 500 yards of total offense, and over 360 of those came... In the air. I mean, people always want to rag on Lamar and say he's a run-first quarterback. No, 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 no. He's a quarterback who's the best in the league at running the ball. But he's a quarterback, not a runner. Lamar Jackson is going to throw all over this Titans defense. Look, the last time they played, Lamar Jackson didn't even complete a pass to Hollywood Brown, only targeted him three times. That's his team's best receiver, not his best target. That's Mark Andrews. But Hollywood Brown is his team's best receiver. And he, just like the rest of this Ravens offense, got really hot towards the end of the year. So expect Hollywood Brown to be utilized. Expect Willie Sneed to be utilized. You already know Mark Andrews is going to be utilized. Lamar Jackson is not just going to run up and down this Titans defense. He's going to throw the ball over their heads all day long. I mentioned that great performance he had last year in the postseason game. What cost him there was two costly turnovers, right? They lost by two scores, and Lamar had two interceptions thrown within the Titans' 25-yard line. So that's what cost him and the Ravens ultimately in that one, but the defense came out unprepared. Derrick Henry embarrassed them, ran all over them, ran right through them. That's not going to happen this time around. Wink Martindale's defense is so improved from where they were early, middle of the season— They, of course, gave up the 42 against Cleveland outside of that Cleveland game. The other four of their final five games, they've averaged allowing nine points per contest. This Ravens team is hot at the right time, and I don't want to hear that their strength of schedule is easy. I know that since they started 6-5, Cleveland's the only team with a winning record that they've played. I know the other games were against Dallas, the Giants, Jacksonville, Cincinnati. That's fine. If you want to make that argument, though... Make the same damn argument for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who were 7-5 and and closed out their season against the Minnesota Vikings, two games with the Atlanta Falcons, and the Matt Staffordless Detroit Lions, right? You got to call it both ways there. So as far as strength of schedule, look, the Ravens beat a Bengals team that beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens beat a Jaguars team that beat the Indianapolis Colts. The Ravens beat a Giants team that beat the Seattle Seahawks. So any given Sunday, anyone can win in the NFL. And the Ravens not only took care of business, but they blew those teams out. They won in more than convincing fashion. That's more than enough to tell me the Baltimore Ravens are ready to go into Nashville and beat the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Now look, you know I think the Bills are going to win. You know I think the Ravens are going to win. But will they cover? How much will they win by? Brandon Lang of BrandonLang.com joins the show next for all your weekend bets. So stick with me, Joe Seralo right here on Sorallo Sports Talk. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk. And who else would be my first guest of 2021? Who other than Brandon Lang of BrandonLang.com? Man, you're looking like a million bucks, feeling like a million bucks. Brandon, it's great to have you on again. Let's make a million bucks.
2: Let's try. Got some good games. Got some, uh, in my opinion, easy right sides to get on. Um, Sometimes in the playoffs, it comes down to who you're going to lose with rather than who you're going to try to win with. And I think that we have a couple games on, uh, on the NFL card that are a perfect example of that. And then, of course, we've got the Cleveland-Pittsburgh COVID situation. Really can't make a play on that game. And then with Ohio State and, and, and Alabama, with the COVID issues with Ohio State, can have to kind of stay in a holding paddle day, pattern Saturday, Sunday, Monday, early Monday before we find out what the COVID issues are with Ohio State. If it was basically a lie to get Justin Fields more time, which some people are saying – or they they really have COVID issues again because they've had COVID issues before. So we'll see. But uh, other than that, uh, we'll dive into that. But but again, we got some some pretty good clear cut right sides.
1: Yeah, a couple of question marks around the two teams from Ohio. But Brandon Wild Card Weekend, first time ever. We've got six games now. If you look at Wild Card Weekend the past decade or so, teams plus the points cover about seventy five percent of the time. Last year, also the under was huge four and on the under last year so let's get to it Saturday's games the Bills six and a half point favorites hosting Indy over under 51 what plays do you like in Buffalo
2: I got a team that's won six in a row I got a team that's covered eight in a row I got a team and the Colts that have backed into the playoffs I got a team in the Colts that if you look at their resume if you will they have literally only beaten one team this year with a winning record and that team – I'm sorry, two teams with a winning record, and that team being the Tennessee Titans. I don't say they beat Green Bay in overtime because Green Bay came out in overtime, shut them down three and out, got the ball back third and two. Rodgers depletes the first down, receiver fumbles. Or they're going down there and kick the winning field goal. So the only impressive game they had all year against a winning team was the road win on Thursday night over Tennessee 34-17. Only to find out two weeks later, Tennessee puts 45 on them and beats them 45 26. Now, some people will say they're coming off the Green Bay, OT win, let down. Okay, fine. But for the year, Jacksonville, loser. Minnesota, loser. Jets, loser. Bears, loser. Bengals, loser. Detroit, loser. Houston, loser. Vegas, loser. Houston, loser. Jacksonville, loser. I'm sorry. I will lose with Buffalo laying six and a half before I try to win with Indianapolis next.
1: And that's six and a half with Buffalo. I just mentioned it in my monologue, right? The bills six straight wins all by 10 or more points. So they're no stranger to winning by at least a touchdown Rams Seahawks. Interesting line movement here. It opened with LA plus four and a half down to just plus three. What do you like in this game?
2: I will lose with Russell Wilson then try to win with Jared Goff. I'm with you. Simple as that. Um, Under the posted total, under the posted total, under the posted total, and under the posted total. A couple of trends for you as far as that under is concerned. The Rams have gone under the posted total eight straight games after allowing less than 250 total yards in their previous game. And if that's not enough for you, the Seattle Seahawks have gone under the posted total four straight at home Five straight following an ATS loss, and seven of the last eight games overall have gone under the posted total. You could do a little Seattle and under six point teaser, and you'd be fine there as well.
1: I was actually going to ask you about teasing the under and Seattle Rams and then the Bills to uh, pick them. That was a play that I loved for Saturday.
2: That's a good one. That's another good one. I like that. Can't go wrong there. Um, and,
1: and then to wrap it up, Brandon, a team that you loved, a player in Tom Brady that you loved, I believe you told me back in September. Brady was your MVP long shot value pick. Well, he's an eight-point favorite against the Washington football team in D.C. on Saturday night. What do you think about that game?
2: I think they make just enough plays to cover. But in my opinion, I can't pass up an eight-and-a-half-point home dog in the playoffs with a better defense and a D-line that's going to get pressure on him. I don't care what the offensive line of Tampa Bay tries to do here. They were absolutely embarrassed on Monday night against the Saints and lost 38-3. They couldn't protect Brady. This is his worst national TV game he's ever played in the history of mankind. And now he's facing another D-line, four first-round draft choices on that D-line that are going to come after him. Evans is banged up. He may not play. But if Brady doesn't have time, he's going to struggle offensively, which we've seen all year. So for my dollar, I'll take the eight-and-a-half all day long. All I hear is Washington's offense stinks, and Washington does this, and Washington does that. I have a veteran quarterback. All I need him to do is make a few plays for him because his defense is going to put him in the ball, keep him in the ball game because they will get pressure on Brady with that front four. And that's the way you beat Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Look, do I think Washington's going to pull off an upset here? Absolutely not. Because there are talks about Alex Smith's health and Tyler Heineke potentially having to play a little bit. That scares the hell out of me. But if Alex Smith is in the game, it will be competitive with that defense. I totally agree with you. Sunday. Best game of the weekend, in my opinion. Baltimore, Tennessee, two teams, no love lost. The Ravens on the road, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Where do you see this one going?
2: You know, when I was growing up in Midland, Michigan, I used to play pickup basketball at this this uh, Midland Community Center. And I played basketball. It was down there since the fourth grade. But I would play with the adults. I mean, the adults is – Dow Chemical and Dow Corning were two companies. And at noon, all the executives would come down and play at the community center. Great runs at noon, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it seemed like from ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, till I graduated and moved away, the same executive from Dow would guard me. And I'm like, do you just like me abusing you? He's like, eventually, I'm going to stop you. I'm like, you haven't stopped me in ninth grade. You haven't stopped me in 10th grade. You're getting older. I'm getting better. It's never going to happen. I'm just going to bury you again. And I just, I owned him for whatever reason. And he was a pretty good player. Don't get me wrong. He played in college. He worked for Dow. I just owned him. And sometimes you get a matchup like that where you just own somebody. The matchup favors you. They just, they they don't match up well against you. And that brings me to the Baltimore, Tennessee, for whatever reason, the Baltimore Ravens don't match up with the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee went in there and beat them in the regular season in overtime 30, 24. Um, The Ravens shouldn't even be in the playoffs. They should send $10,000 bottle of wine to the schedule maker for handing them the playoffs because when they lost to Pittsburgh and everybody left them for dead, their last five games, four of them were against the powerhouse Cincinnati Bengals, the powerhouse, New York giants, the powerhouse Jacksonville Jaguars and the powerhouse Dallas Cowboys. They lose any one of those games. They don't go to the playoffs. And the only team they played that has an offense resembling Tennessee was the Monday night against Cleveland. And they could not stop Baker Mayfield who put 42 on them. And if their rookie head coach knew how to manage the clock, Cleveland would not have lost that game. And we wouldn't even be talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And now because they have the star Wars numbers and people buying the hype, they make them a three and a half point road favorite. My brother until Lamar Jackson shows me he can hit a semi truck park 10 yards in front of him under pressure and make play after play after play. I will grab the Titans all day long and I will be shocked if the Titans don't win the game outright.
1: Amazing. That's so far the only game we disagree on to this point. I think the Ravens heating up at the right time. Totally agree with the strength of schedule, the over under really enticing there last time they played, they put up 54 right now it's 54 and a half. Where do you see that stay away or do you like a play there?
2: It should go over. Remember, the only reason why they combined for 54 was the overtime. You know, the Derrick Henry busted the 20 something yard run in, in OT for the for the win. I just they can't beat Tennessee. I'm sorry. They just they just can't. Their defense isn't good enough. They don't they don't match up with Tennessee. They don't they don't do the things offensively that allow you to exploit the Tennessee defense. Lamar Jackson isn't Deshaun Watson. That's it. He's not, he's not the thrower. Yeah, and that's
1: fair. The the Titans' pass defense is what kills them, 29th in the league. Their rush defense is actually middle of the pack.
2: Yep, so it's a good matchup. I'm going to take three and a half all day long.
1: There you go. The 4 o'clock game, Nickelodeon special right here, and, I mean, the Bears should be on Nickelodeon. Ten-point dogs in New Orleans are the Chicago Bears. Does that that line look too big to you?
2: The Saints don't win the game by 30. It's fixed. The shit is fixed. It's fixed. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's fixed the Saints should win this game by, by three touchdowns. Simple as that. Uh, you know, everybody, the bears have nothing to lose going down there. The only thing that scares me is Sean Payton in the playoffs as a favorite. It, you can't explain it. You don't know what he does, what he's thinking, what he's drinking, what he's doing. He just, he seems to implode in these playoffs. He just does. I mean, they're own five against the number their last five playoff games as a favorite. How do you explain that? Their own four against the spread of their last four home playoff games. How do you explain that? You just, you, there's, there's no explaining it. He just, he implodes in the playoffs. So it's a game I'm staying away from. I already got my best bet starting off the day with the Titans. I just, uh, I'm going to watch that game and see if Sean favorite can finally cover the numbers of favorite
1: in the playoffs. There you go. Now I, I lean with you. I'm staying away with the 10 point spread there. And we talked about Cleveland Pittsburgh. You brought it up right away. As soon as you hopped on how it's tough to predict, you know, the Browns without their best offensive lineman, without their head coach. Right now they're plus six. The bears are plus 10. So I'm staying away from both of those games against the number. I did put a teaser in though. And I want your thoughts. Saints minus three and a half. I got Pittsburgh pick them. How do you like that?
2: Yeah, that's cool. I would take your Pittsburgh teaser with Buffalo. Buffalo's not losing. So there's your, there's your, Buffalo's not losing and Pittsburgh's not losing. And then I I got to shoot out of here. But last but not least, you have to wait till Monday, find out the COVID issues of Ohio state and, and, and Alabama. Um, you, if Ohio State's at full strength They're going to have a shot to win the game Outright take them plus the points The, the two defensive linemen is, is A big key but that offensive line of Ohio State Is going to be the best offensive line Alabama's seen All year hands down You don't get pressure on Justin Fields he's going to Torch you mobile quarterbacks give Bama Problem so check your injury report Check your COVID report and if those two D Linemen are playing don't be surprised To see Ohio State win the game outright and shock the world I'm um, B Lang watch La La Land Watch 1917 to start your 2021 year. And Big Fellow, will talk to you next week.
1: And check him out at BrandonLang.com. Brandon, I'll talk to you soon, man.
2: Thanks, bud. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here
1: on Sorallo Sports Talk. It is time for my final word right here on Sorallo Sports Talk. What a spot there for my good friend Brandon Lang. It was only appropriate, right? With the NFL playoffs this weekend kicking off, the college football championship game Monday, it was the perfect time to bring Brandon Lang back as my inaugural guest of 2021. So I have a three-part final word here. I'm going to get to the college football championship, my Super Bowl prediction, and because I'm a loyal Mets fan and I have to touch on it, the breaking news as I'm recording this right now, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco Coming over from the Cleveland Indians, let's start with that. The breaking news, Carrasco, Lindor, the 27-year-old future Hall of Fame shortstop, coming to Queens, and I can't wait. I am absolutely electrified right now. I just saw it pop up on my phone as I was preparing to talk about Nick Saban in Alabama, and I said, you know, I know it's football season. I know there's a lot of football this weekend. You can't ignore this. Uncle Steve, Stevie Cohen, our lord and savior, Stevie Cohen. Bringing Lindor to Flushing. By the way, getting a great name also in Carlos Carrasco. That's the part of the trade that should not go unnoticed. The Mets have their number three starter coming into the year. Jake DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, and oh, by the way, Noah Syndergaard comes back in June. The Mets starting pitching should be where we expect it to be. I don't know who's going to fill that five spot early in the year. My vote goes David Peterson in his second season. I think Steven Matz is just better off in the bullpen. We haven't seen enough of Matt's to prove he can give us a full season. He's only done it once in his career. So I like Peterson in that five spot. Maybe Seth Lugo. Maybe they sign someone. Who knows? It does look like with this trade, though, they're out on Trevor Bauer. I still want him. I've said for the longest time that of everyone available, whether it's by free agency or a trade this offseason, Trevor Bauer was at the top of my wish list because the Mets can hit. They have offense. We know that. The last two years, they've gone from a team that was constantly losing games 2-1, 3-2, to now a team that has one of the most explosive offenses in all of baseball. They've got pop with Pete Alonso. They've got average with Jeff McNeil. Hell, you got both with Michael Conforto. The offense in Queens is great. The pitching, which had been the team's strong suit for the longest time. Don't forget the Sports Illustrated cover, right? Matt Harvey, Jake DeGrom, Zach Wheeler, Steven Matz. Rounded out with Bartolo Colon, and you think you're set. Oh, by the way, Noah Syndergaard. I mean, it was so much. There was a surplus of pitching in Queens. And then last year, there was none outside of Jacob deGrom. That's balancing out. Now Stroman's back. Now Carlos Carrasco is on his way. But I still wanted Trevor Bauer, because the team can hit just fine. I think you need to bolster the rotation. I still look for one more move. It may just be Syndergaard coming back in June, and that may be enough. But we'll see. George Springer... I think we're out because now with this trade with Lindor, you have to go and re-sign Francisco Lindor. Otherwise, the trade's horrendous, right? You gave up Andres Jimenez, who is going to be, I believe, an incredible shortstop, Ahmed Rosario, good riddance, and then two really good prospects in the outfielder, Isaiah Green, who already has a very promising bat, and Josh Wolf, the right-hand pitcher who throws absolute gas. So the only way this is worth it is if Lindor re-signs a long-term deal, which I think will definitely happen. I don't think Steve Cohen would make this trade if that wasn't the case. But you need Lindor to re-sign. You also have Michael Conforto that you need to resign, And I think Conforto has potential to be a Met for life. So right now, George Springer not looking like part of the equation. Trevor Bauer not looking like part of the equation. I wouldn't mind Liam Hendricks to help bolster that bullpen. I also wouldn't mind DJ LeMahieu because the Mets' biggest need now is third base. Yes, their outfield could be better defensively. J.D. Davis, Brandon Nemo, Michael Conforto, not the best looking group out there defensively. Conforto, the only plus defender there. But I don't like J.D. Davis at third base. I prefer him in left field. I don't like Jeff McNeil at third base. I need him at second. The Mets need a third baseman. Do they trade for Arenado? Do they have enough to trade for Arenado? I don't know. We'll see baby steps here. This is the first big move of the Cohen era. But the bright side here for me, the Mets were able to get Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians without giving up the valuable bats of Dominic Smith, Brandon Nemo, or J.D. Davis. And to me, that is absolutely humongous. Now, the college football national championship game is Monday night. And when it comes to betting the game, you heard Brandon Lang's take on it. Wait, see what transpires with Ohio State and their COVID situation. Right now, both starting defensive tackles. Questionable. I would still jump on the Buckeyes plus seven and a half. It got up to plus eight and a half yesterday. I love Ohio State plus the points in this one. Look, I think Alabama's going to win. I don't know if I would jump on Ohio State to win this game. Brandon Lang has said, bet them plus the points, but he thinks that they'll win. I don't know if I could say that because Alabama is an NFL team, right? They are every year. Now, I don't think Alabama could go. I want to nip this argument in the bud early. I don't think they can go and beat the Jets. I don't think that even when the Browns were 0-16, Alabama could beat them. That's a whole different argument. But this Alabama team, whether they'll be successful NFL players or not, has more NFL players on it than it doesn't, at least starting. So Alabama is probably going to win yet another national championship in the Nick Saban era, which has been single-handedly the most extraordinary era for any coach of any program in college football history. But I think Ohio State's going to give them a hell of a game. I mean, Ohio State has the better quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Mac Jones. Some people are giving a first round grade. Some people are saying he's the future of the New England Patriots. Wouldn't that be something? Go from Nick Saban in your college career to Bill Belichick in the NFL. I think Mac Jones is way more AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy than he is Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think Mac Jones is an NFL quarterback. I think just like McCarron, just like McElroy, when you're dealing with guys like Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, Mac Jones has the luxury of having Najee Harris in his backfield. He also has the luxury of having two first-round talent-wide receivers in Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell to throw to. Mac Jones, just like every other Alabama quarterback who is incredibly successful in college and is a total flop in the NFL, has the best weapons of any Division I college quarterback in the country. And so that's why Mac Jones had such a great year and was a Heisman finalist. Justin Fields. I mean, you saw what he did with battered, bruised, broken ribs against Clemson. A Clemson defense that this year is far superior to the defense of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Truthfully, this Alabama defense is lackluster. It's one of the worst in the Nick Saban era. So while their offense, you could argue, is the best, maybe even better than a Tua offense or a Jalen Hurts offense in Tuscaloosa, their defense is subpar. And that's why Ohio State does have a legitimate shot to win. I think Alabama will win the game. But Ohio State will cover, and they do have a legitimate shot because of Justin Fields and the versatility of their offense that when Justin Fields decides he's not going to show up with his best game, running back Trey Sermon can run circles around any defense, even the big bad Crimson Tide of the SEC. So give me Ohio State plus the points. Give me the under at 75, which I think is totally absurdly inflated coming off of Ohio State's performance against Clemson where they almost single-handedly demolish the over, but give me Alabama to win yet another national championship in the Nick Saban era. Now, for my third and final point of my final word, I gave you my college champion, I gotta give you my Super Bowl pick. Preseason, I took the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat, to build on what is going to be a dynasty to build on Patrick Mahomes' legacy, which could very well end with him being the greatest quarterback of all time. I know Tom Brady's got six rings, Patrick Mahomes hasn't even been in the league six years. There's a lot to build on there, but there's the potential for it all in Kansas City. And so I went with the Chiefs over the Seahawks, and like anyone making predictions, I want to stick with that, but I'm not going to. Because the Kansas City Chiefs take the field and they don't look like the best team in football despite the fact that they were 14-1 in games that Patrick Mahomes started. They don't look inspired when the Kansas City Chiefs take the football field. No, I see a team that jumped out on the throats of Tampa Bay in the first half and let that lead squander because they got comfortable. I see a team that jumped out on the throats of the New Orleans Saints in the first three quarters and let that lead squander Because they got comfortable. I saw a team that came out comfortable against Carolina and let Teddy Bridgewater put 31 up on them. That came out comfortable against the Raiders and split a season series with a team that didn't even make the playoffs. That came out comfortable against the Atlanta Falcons and almost lost to a 4-win team. I'm not buying the Kansas City Chiefs and whatever they're selling right now. Look. You could say I'm a little annoyed at them because they went 6-9-1 and against the spread, lost a lot of people, a lot of money this year. That against the spread number, put the money aside. What that shows me is that they were comfortable, and comfort doesn't win Super Bowls. The Bills aren't comfortable. The Bills were three-and-a-half-point dogs against Miami. They probably had the two-seed clinch since Pittsburgh was benching everyone against Cleveland, and they went out to win. And they stepped on the throats of a great team with an even better coach and they beat them by 30 in a week 17 game that a lot of people would have said to lay down for. The Buffalo Bills are not just the most fun team in football. They're not just the most exciting team in football. Right now, they're the best team in football. And I'm going to stick with my NFC pick and go against my better judgment that's telling me to take the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to stick with the Seattle Seahawks because Russ is a juggernaut and that defense has improved vastly over the course of the season, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills in Tampa Bay, the site of their first Super Bowl loss when they went to four in a row, the site of the Norwood wide right kick. I'm going to take the Bills over the Seahawks in Tampa Bay in about a month, and I'll circle back with you then when Bills Mafia is circling the wagons. That's it for this week. This episode of Serralo Sports Talk, the first one in 2021 is up. It's over. It's out of here like a Francisco Lindor home run on the Shea Bridge. Guys, I'll see you next week. Might have two episodes next week. Got a couple fun guests lined up, so don't miss it.
0: You know you make me wanna out, kick my heels up and down. Still